Welcome to the Ohio State University Autumn Quarter Commencement, held Sunday, December 10th, 2006 at St. John Arena. 1,588 graduates receive their diplomas. This quarter's commencement speaker is Roy R. Romer, former Colorado governor and retired superintendent of Los Angeles Unified School District. gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the 378th commencement of The Ohio State University. I'm honored to preside at this important ceremony as the university bestows its academic degrees on today's graduates. I would like to begin by offering my congratulations to all of today's graduates, to your family members and your friends who have supported you during the four year, your years of study and are celebrating with you today. I've selected a topic to talk to you about that I call preventing terminal differentiation. And as esoteric as this sounds, let me promise you that the subject really does relate to the challenges that lie ahead of you. It's all about keeping yourself flexible and open in a world that will change more and more rapidly as you move through life. The biological science majors among you may have already guessed where I'm headed with my remarks. But for the majority of you who are not, let me define a few terms. Differentiation is used to mean specialization. The first few cells of a developing organism are very much alike, with a very broad generalized repertoire of functions that allows them to survive in varied environments of a rapidly changing embryo. These are known as undifferentiated cells, and in some cases, commonly known as stem cells. As these cells accumulate, some of them stop dividing and become more specialized or differentiated. Examples of such cells are nerve cells, muscle cells, cells of the bone or skin, and they perform very specialized functions like transmitting impulses or contracting as a muscle cell and so forth. If a cell is not too locked into a function, it may be able to reverse its state of specialization and de-differentiate to form other functions. Some cells become so highly specialized, differentiated, that they cannot respond to change and enter a state known as terminal differentiation. Some of those cells will die. The lives of human beings follow the same pattern of growth, change, and differentiation. And if we're not vigilant, we can become trapped in a niche so narrowly focused that it's difficult, if not impossible, to change direction to respond to new opportunities, to perform a new or a modified role. Such a condition, of course, is not literally terminal, but it can stop a career dead in its tracks. Preventing it from happening to you will be crucial to your lives because experience tells us that graduates will move through a series of six, seven, or even more career changes in a lifetime. Whether you are receiving an undergraduate degree or a graduate degree today, the choices you have made here at Ohio State have set the direction for the next phase of your life, but not necessarily for all of your life. 
Some of you may be very happy in your chosen field of specialization and plan to spend the rest of your professional life in that area. And for those of you who do, I hope you will, as we say at Ohio State, do something great in the field that you love. But empirical evidence strongly suggests that most of you will follow a nonlinear path that winds through changing environments with critical stops along the way that will require you to retain enough flexibility to function successfully as you change directions. Many of you have probably already exercised that flexibility by changing majors and maybe even more than once. And many of you are receiving a graduate degree today, maybe doing so in a field that's very different from your undergraduate major. Looking out at you in your caps and gowns, it's hard to differentiate one person from the next. But in fact, every one of you has already taken steps towards specialization that set you apart from everyone else here today. And we hope the university has fulfilled its responsibility to help you take advantage of the wonderfully diverse environment that is this campus, to establish a broad educational base that included a sampling of and an appreciation for different disciplines and different people. We've tried to teach you how to learn, how to keep an open mind, to change perceptions beyond their superficial appearance, to analyze situations carefully and critically, and to use all of these tools to adapt to change. The university has given you a sample of the vast range of opportunities that lie ahead of you. It has prepared you well to guard against the terminal differentiation of your mind. I hope all of you will be as fortunate as I have been to gain expertise and experience in a discipline you love and to spend your careers in satisfying, challenging, and ever-changing work in which you continue to learn and to grow. As you leave this great university and begin your careers, Remember that as you gain experience, skill, and depth, you will also be introduced to many other opportunities that will come along, opportunities that will send you on an exciting new path as you move through the various stages of your life. I want to wish every one of you a series of productive, fulfilling, and happy careers. And I thank you all for the many contributions each of you has made during your years at Ohio State. And I wish all of you a very wonderful holiday season and a happy 2007. Again, my most sincere congratulations to every one of you on your accomplishments. Thank you very much. At each commencement, we ask a person of distinction to make remarks to our graduating class. This quarter, we are privileged to welcome the Honorable Roy R. Romer. Governor Romer is recently retired superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District and former three-term governor of Colorado. Governor Romer has long been an advocate for educational issues at the state and national levels. As vice chairman of the Democratic Leadership Council, he studied effective educational strategies and school reform initiatives and chaired the Educational Commission of the States and the National Education Goals Panel. His ability to build consensus on complex and controversial subjects attracted him to the Los Angeles School District in the year 2000. As superintendent, Governor Romer led the nation's second largest public school system. He focused resources and attention on the issues of instruction and construction of schools. He embarked on ambitious literacy and math plans, including computer-based learning programs, which raised scores above the national level for the first time in decades. 
He is currently building small learning communities so students can receive more personalized experiences to improve academic performance and reduce the dropout rate. Under his leadership, district voters approved a school building program totaling $19.2 billion. The district's construction program is the largest public works program in the nation, providing much needed new schools and upgrades to existing ones. A Colorado native, Governor Romer earned his bachelor's degree in agricultural economics from Colorado State University, his law degree from the University of Colorado, and he studied ethics at Yale University. He worked as a lawyer in the Denver area, helping manage his family's agricultural interests, and became a successful business leader before his election as Colorado's 39th governor. Serving from 1986 to 1998, he became the nation's senior Democratic governor and was general chair of the Democratic National Committee from 1997 to 2000. Please join me in welcoming this distinguished leader as he addresses today's graduating class. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Roy Romer. I want you to know that I know the highest value at commencement, and that is brevity. I want to make two points and tell a story. But to make the points, I need to identify with you. I'm also looking for a job. <laughs> and so if I see you out on the recruitment circuit, wave to me. Uh, I want to introduce my two points by telling you briefly a little more who I am. I came out of a town of 800, uh, Colorado rancher, farmer, raised sheep, went to a agricultural college because I knew how to square dance, but not the other kind. Um, I became a lawyer. I served in the Air Force. I became a pilot. I owned and operated a ski area. I ran John Deere stores. I had trouble keeping a job, if you think about it. But I began to do political life in the legislature, state treasurer, governor, and then uh, at age 71, I took on the challenge of learning how to be a school superintendent. All of that means that my first point is the following. We have got to be lifelong learners. If there's one thing I could share with you as you reach this transitional point, we all are living in a world that's much too complex and changing too fast to ever think that we have sufficient skill, knowledge, or understanding to do our job. Every day I served for six and a half years in that school district, I knew I had to dig deeper and deeper and deeper or I could not do my job. My first point is we need to find a strategy to be lifelong learners. It doesn't come easy. Many expect you to have every answer and you've got to be frank about it and say, there are things I don't know. And you've got to ask questions and dig and inquire constantly. Now, I did that. When I went to run this district, I kept asking the question, why do we do this? How long have we done this? Is this an effective thing to do? And sometimes it was embarrassing, but it is a way in which we all, I think, need to approach our work as lifelong learning. Before I leave this point, I want to 
say also you need to model it. I, when I came there, because Los Angeles is a very large place, I was assigned a bus driver to drive my car. And uh, he was a wonderful human being, Manuel. And uh, we made a deal. I said, Manuel, you can drive for me, but you've got to go to college. He was a high school graduate. And so we made a deal because I had very long days and there were a lot of times of sitting. And he began six years ago. He's now in his third year in uh, the California State University system. Very good student, 3.5 grade average. But uh, he is just an example of a colleague that I spent most of my days with and we did that lifelong learning together. So that's my first point. The second point is related. It's more philosophical. And if there is one truth that I acquired in this life I have lived, it's the following. That one's view of the truth is always partial. I got that from two scholars, Martin Buber and Richard Niebuhr. Let me explain this. I, I have a personal history. I'm white, I'm rural, I'm middle class, I'm male, I'm heterosexual. I have all these characteristics and I'm going to look at the world different than someone who is from Cuba, who is black, who is homosexual, who is an agnostic, and a communist. Now it doesn't mean that our views are necessarily going to be better one than the other, but we come with a personal history and we view the world out of that personal history. It's tremendously important for us in America today to think hard about that because of the power of this nation. Education affects our ability to understand what truth is and we constantly need to seek it. But we need to know that those who differ from us have some portion of the truth that we do not yet understand. And I particularly lay this on the table when we are dealing with a Muslim world, which is very directly related to our ability to live in peace and to have the life that we want to have. And we as a nation and as individuals have need to stop and think about other people see the world through a different set of rose-colored glasses shaped by their own personal history. It's tremendously important that we think about this in terms of our policy as a nation and the way in which we conduct ourselves politically throughout the world. Now, let me... Let me say this is not easy because all of us, however we make decisions, have got to say this is the truth we see now and you have to act on it, and you have to be bold and sometimes aggressive with it. But you constantly need to be looking for mid-course correction for that peace that you did not see. And I just want to share that as a second point of reflection because uh, I, as you well know, have been very active politically and I'm still active politically. And one of the things I fear the worst are those who claim absolute truth. As I have read history, whether it was the Inquisition, the Crusades, the Third Reich, much of the evil I have seen accumulated historically has been by those who felt their view of the truth was absolute. I live in a political climate in my own country in which that is also still very present. 
And we've got to deal with that. This world is getting very much smaller. We're at much greater risk. And just as we are talking about being continual learners and continuing our own skill set, we need to think about how important it is that we constantly seek to stand in the shoes of others, try to see the world through their eyes. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to agree with their position, but we need to be aware of that tension and that view that our truth is limited, not absolute. Those are my two points. I want to close with a story. It's about Mother Teresa. When I was governor of Colorado, Mother Teresa and four nuns flew in one day in a private jet to spend the day with me and a couple of others on housing. What could they learn from Denver and Colorado that would relate to India and the housing challenge? I went with the Catholic Archbishop in an old Chevy Suburban. It was new then, but it was old as I think of it now. It was about 15 years ago. And I don't know if you remember those cars, but they had very narrow seats, the third seat, and you had to climb over the middle seat kind of to get there. And so when we arrived, this plain small jet unloaded, and here was Mother Teresa and four nuns in habit. I looked at that Suburban. I looked at the, uh, the archbishop in full robe, and I said, wow, I got to get in that first, and I got to get way up in the back. So I climbed in, climbed over the middle seat, got up in the little cupola to make room for others. The second person in the suburban was the archbishop. He pulled up his robe, climbed over the middle seat, got up there in the cupola with me. The third person to enter the car was Mother Teresa. And what did she do? She got in, pulled up her skirt a bit, climbed over the middle seat, squeezed in between the archbishop and me in the back seat and looked up at me with a great big smile and said, isn't it great that God made me so small? <laughs> now, I tell you this story because it's a very fun and human story. But I also tell you that because I want to conclude by how you and I and all of us deal with our ego. We need it. If you're going to go do what you were born to do and educated to do, you're going to have to be bold. You're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to be aggressive. And you've got to believe in yourself to do that. But having spent 40 years in politics, I can tell you the Achilles heel of most leaders I know is the arrogance of ego. We need to learn to deal with that. My final paragraph. When I left L.A. in the last two or three weeks, I got a lot of comments about what I had done or not had done in the time I spent there. But there is one that rings in my ear, and it was a very respected gentleman that I knew who said very quietly to me, thank you for what you've done. It was never about you, it was about them. I thought about that. I don't know if I deserve the comment, but I want to earn that comment. It wasn't about how well I had done the job. It wasn't any measurement of what I had done. It was what my focus was. It was about them, 
not me. And I just want to say in conclusion about your work, whatever it may be, be a lifelong learner. Remember that your view of the truth is limited, but always have the work be about them, not you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Governor Romer, for such wonderful, wonderful and meaningful remarks to all of our graduates. I would now like to introduce Mr. Archie Griffin, President and CEO of the Ohio State Alumni Association, to provide a message to our new graduates. Thank you, and good afternoon. As president of the Ohio State University Alumni Association, I congratulate the members of this graduating class on your achievements, and I warmly welcome you to the prestigious ranks of Ohio State alumni. You join more than 400,000 living alumni who are engaged in pursuits as varied as the Ohio State course catalog. This year's Alumni Association Award recipients reflect our shared commitment to service. They include graduates who established a wildlife rehabilitation hospital, advocated for the rights of female farm workers, and improved elementary science education. In their careers and communities, our alumni bring honor to our university. I can't wait to see what you will do. Last night, one of our alumni, Troy Smith, won the two... Troy Smith won the 2006 Heisman Trophy. Yes, he is an alumnus. Troy earned a bachelor's degree last June. As he has done all year, Troy praised his teammates and coaches, focusing the spotlight on the team. That's what I see here today, a championship team. You, our graduates, are surrounded by faculty and staff, family and friends who have been your teammates and coaches in the pursuit of a degree. It has been a very long season. Some of you have extended the game into overtime. <laughs> You've had a memorable final quarter. Barbara Streisand and Bare Naked Ladies, Larry the Cable Guy and Red Hot Chili Peppers, all at the shot in October. Ohio State welcomed ESPN's College Game Day live outside this arena twice. And we welcomed visiting fans as good sportsmanship returned to the campus. We welcomed Comedy Central and heard Live from the campus of The Ohio State University, it is the John Stewart's Daily Show. But amid all the hoopla, you had your own daily show, finding a new favorite study space when the main library closed for renovation, finding time to work out at the new RPAC, and finding your way to the Ohio Union one last time. It is closing this month so that the new student union can be built on the same site. Every day at Ohio State is filled with opportunities, events, and people you will remember for a lifetime. Be assured, there are more Buckeye memories to be made as alumni. Look for an alumni club wherever you live. Get together with fans and friends. Read our award-winning magazine to catch up on Buckeye news. This is the first day of your complimentary one-year membership in the Alumni Association. I hope I truly hope you will use it to stay connected to each other and to your alma mater. 
Take advantage of our career assistance and national discounts. Visit the website to keep current with what is happening here at Ohio State. Stay in touch with the friends and faculty who have been so important to your support team. And let me make a special request. At this time next year, I ask that you join as a dues-paying member. Pay for it because membership matters. A large, enthusiastic alumni association makes Ohio State stronger. Today, this celebration is for you, for what you have achieved and all you will accomplish in the years ahead. I want you to be proud to have earned a degree from this great university. I want you to be confident in your ability to take on every challenge and opportunity that awaits you. I want you to be thankful for all those who paid forward with you in mind. My best wishes to you in this holiday season. Congratulations, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you, Archie. We have a remarkable group of students graduating today, and at each commencement, we recognize the undergraduate students with the highest grade point average. I'm pleased to announce that today's graduating class has stu two students who have completed their bachelor's degrees with a perfect 4.0 grade point average. Would you please stand when I call your name? Benjamin Jones of Columbus, Bachelor of Arts in French and Bachelor of Arts in Political Science. Ben? Christopher, Christopher Patrick of Poland, Ohio, Bachelor of Arts in Communication. Congratulations to each of you on your achievements. I would also like to mention that several members of today's graduating class were cadets and midshipmen in the Reserve Officer Training Corps while students at Ohio State. They are being commissioned as officers in our armed forces at special ceremonies this weekend. Their names are listed in the commencement program. But will the newly commissioned officers please rise so that we may also recognize you. Congratulations. Congratulations.